The Tea Talk, a podcast by Schwules Museum Berlin, hosted by Sunny Est. Hi everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of The Tea Talk with Sunny Est. Today I have Daddypus Rex with me. Daddypus, they, them, is a first-generation West African transgender intersectional gender terrorist with a big mouth and who isn't afraid to use it. Based in Berlin, they are a multidisciplinary artist slash writer slash stand-up comedian, community organizer and critical race and gender educator. They often use a mix of poetry and humor to navigate topics such as white supremacy, misogynoir, transphobia, and general colonial fuckery. Other than that, Daddy Puss Rex is a trauma-aware, body-inclusive yoga teacher and founder of Iroko Yoga. And that's actually one of the interactions we had. Uh, I went to one of her yoga classes and it was the only and first yoga class that I actually felt comfortable to be in. So thank you for that. Hi, Daddy Puss Rex, or Lee. Hi, Sunny. Um, definitely Daddy Puss today, feeling myself in a Daddy Puss mode. Uh, hello, it's lovely to be here with you today, as always. Thank you so much for accepting my invite, and I'm gonna go and jump to my only and <laughs> first question. What's the tea? <laughs> What's the tea? Oh my, where shall we start, babes? I mean, we can cover any number of set like topics. I mean, we've just started talking about dating, for example, and uh, uh, we can cover that. I definitely feel like it was a mistake. My bad. Definitely my bad. And apologies to anyone I dated during my first year of transition. That was oh, yeah, entirely that. my mistake. <laughs> Why do you say that, though? Um, because literally, I think medically transitioning is such a mindfuck. It is such a confrontation with reality that it makes absolute no sense to involve anyone else in any part of it. Because it's like being on an acid trip that <laughs> no one, like, that no one else is on. <laughs> And especially if you are... I mean, if you're maybe dating other people who are medically transitioning, maybe. But even then, like, it's so spicy. The experience is so spicy, so tricky to navigate your own perception of self. You look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, what's happening to me? <laughs> like, and everyone knows if you're on an acid trip, you don't look in the fucking mirror anyway. So. <laughs> That's very right. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But you still dated. Yes. On your first, I mean, are you still in your first year of... No, oh my goodness. Uh, so this week is actually my second year anniversary of taking uh, hormones. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe I made it here. I'd like to thank God and my mom for being a horrible human being, but, you know, brought me to a lot of realizations about myself. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, so I'm in my second year of... Trans tea. Of tea, exactly. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm a little uh, one year plus post top surgery and uh, I'm in a body that feels like home and I'm so fucking grateful for it because I know that not everybody, I know a lot of people don't feel like they're at home in their bodies. 
True. So, um, but also my dating scenario is also a bit complicated right now. So, oops. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that then. I mean, we don't have to, but we can. I mean, I just mostly date myself. <laughs> yeah, that's always a better idea. Listen, listen, I possibly, I mean, I definitely don't date white people anymore. How about that? It's a good start. <laughs> definitely don't, like, I am like so far beyond the auseinandersetzung, the critical confrontation with self that white people need in order to just like relate to me as a human most of the time, let alone in an intimate partner capacity that I'm a lot for most white people just on an email. So let alone. So you better get paid to be in their presence, I guess. Did I hear something? Catching. Catching. Landing in my bank account. Um, yeah, so no. Yeah. Oh, dating white people. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have, yeah, we, we experience things differently and we navigate whiteness differently. However, even for myself, like as a light skinned person, I. Specifically in Germany, you know, I find it very challenging to, yeah, to have this sort of like, it's like, I have nothing against white people. Like, I mean, I have a lot against <laughs> Please, who are you trying to fool here? Who are you trying to fool? Okay, no, yeah, let me try to rephrase that. I have dated white people and, you know, I'm open for that. But I feel like in general to date anyone, like I feel, I mean, not to date anyone, to date cis men which is like my sort of like target. I think you mean your curse. <laughs> it is your your burden to carry, girl. It is your to date cis men. Exactly. It is my... So like I do, I definitely have, yeah, I have, I also touched upon this here before that I have set very high standards for people to date. So most of the time I'm also just dating myself. Because so, at least you reach your own standards. It feels good. It feels good. I know how to make myself feel good. Right, so, yeah, right. thank you very much. Yeah. But, okay, so there doesn't seem to be any, like, hot tea around dating, no, so... I mean, listen, I... Not around dating, not... I don't think so, but, I mean, the hot tea is that, you know, technically I'm still being sued by a white person claiming to be a white ally. So that situation has been ongoing for nearly a year now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to call anyone out on this podcast because my mother taught me better than that. <laughs> You're not going to diss them on the internet. I'm not going to diss you on the internet. Um, but all I know is, all I know is there are a number of people and a number of institutions that had the opportunity to stop this violence and intervene and who haven't. And I know that me personally, I have the power to move mountains inside of me. Like <laughs> the things that I've been able to achieve as a poor immigrant, non-educated, dark-skinned black person with West African parents, like the things that I've been able to achieve and do in my life. I've lived in five countries. I've met dignitaries. I've had jobs ranging from, oh my goodness, account manager to embassies to all of this stuff. But I've also cleaned toilets. I've cleaned puked. I've worked door to door. I can move motherfucking mountains. And this situation has not 
shifted. This person is committed to violence and I'm like, okay, I need to then, this is an exercise for me in relinquishing control because normally I'm very good at maintaining control, directing the things that I want to have happen in my life, manifesting, if you will. And ah, <laughs> period. Right? But this one is not budging. So I'm like, okay, this is a lesson. There's something in here that I need to learn. And okay. So, but also that being said, it has shown me the true faces of privilege and power within Berlin. And when we talk about community, what do we talk about? When we talk about community, yeah. Who is community? What is community? What does community mean? How does it show up? How does it manifest? Question mark. When we talk about power, who has power? What do they do when they have this power? How do they use this power to uplift others marginalized within the so-called community? So I've seen a lot of people's true faces and, uh, you know, a lot of people who claim to be for the community of the community and who are very vocal about it and have lots of followers and all this stuff. I see you. I see you. It's okay. It's and okay. how do you hold people accountable? You know, um, that's a really fun question. That's a really, really fun question because... Um, the thing is, accountability can, like, true accountability can never come from an external source. You really always have to be accountable to yourself first and foremost. Are your actions aligned with the person, the ideals, the visions that you have for your life? Because if they're not, then you need to be accountable for yourself because you're bullshitting yourself. And you're, you know, navigating spaces, you know, with hypocrisy um, and holding other people accountable never really works because it's then you pointing the finger at them. And if a person isn't ready to actually acknowledge what's happened, whether you point one finger, 10 fingers, it'll never fucking stick. It always has to come from the self, from the self first and foremost. So, um, you know, I've tried to be like, hey, do you want to talk about, you know, your privilege and power and how this is fucked up? And people are like, no, I'm just going to block you instead. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, blocking, you know, dark skin, black trans folks because you don't want to be, uh, have a real ass conversation about the power and privilege that you want to hold. Sure. <laughs> are, you, are you willing, you know, yeah. to go deeper into how you would perceive and or define aforementioned power and privileges? Oh, absolutely. I love going deep, baby. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, how would you, just you know, for the sake of philosophy, how yeah. would you like define power and I privilege? I mean, listen, uh, privilege, uh, power stems from privilege. And first off, people need to really have a critical understanding of what, when we talk about intersectionality, okay, forms of oppression, sure. But let's talk about intersectionality of privilege, because that's a thing that people are not doing. Understanding what positionalities of privilege that you occupy, 
based on the context that you're fucking in. Despite being oppressed out of other reasons. In other contexts. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. These positions of privilege. I hear you. And these positions of privilege confer power. You know? So, for example, me, when I talk, I absolutely know that I possess, for example, I possess passport privilege because I have a European passport. And I understand that that confers a certain level of power. And so when I'm dealing with people that don't have passport privilege, I like to make sure that I keep that in mind. You know, uh, other forms of power uh, privilege that I have. And when we talk about privilege, privileges are unearned things that give you access and power to things. So, you know, I also speak four different colonial languages. The one that I speak the most is English. Speaking English as a more or less mother tongue is a form of fucking privilege because the internet, pretty much all of the internet is English speaking. So the, the mere fact that I know that I can access that space and I know how to navigate that space and can navigate it, I know that that's a form of power that I have because of that unearned privilege that I have. Let's not necessarily talk about how my people came to speak English different kettle of fish but whatever i speak english so and recognize and i'm also for example neurotypical and understanding okay what does that mean that means when i'm in situations with neuroatypical people it is up to me to bring up my privilege and say hey can you let me know or how are the ways that i can make sure that my privilege does not do x y and z it's up to me to take that on. It's not up to the marginalized person to be like, oh, hey, can you just me? Because that's the fucking labor of being extra marginalized, you know? And I experience it so much in a context when I'm dealing with cis folks or context when I'm dealing with uh, academic people. Oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> you know it's funny because like i yeah i mean me personally i don't even have a like university degree same yeah um yeah and now i'm navigating all these spaces where i'm very much aware that like what my role is um and i'm also like desperately fighting to not be made into a subaltern mm-hmm understanding that my knowledge comes from my dna my ancestors and my your lived experience biography your exactly experience. you know like i'm i'm live knowledge yeah. you know yeah. like if i if i'm uh, i can research you yeah. know like i think i'm like i'm self academic yeah. in a way but that's not even a good example for what i would like to touch upon which is um acquired privileges hmm. does it even exist because you were saying now like privilege is something that you didn't earn mm. like unearned yeah um which is very clear to me obviously mm. Mm. um but like for example you you mentioned passport privilege yeah. and like i happen to be somebody who now has a golden passport so to speak Ooh. like i have a german passport of European passports even. I did not however inherit it yeah you know yeah. I came here I cleaned yeah. the toilets I did the sex work I married a white man and now I have one do you know which means <laughs> which we earned means... that shit 
earned, earned that shit. Very much earned. Very much. And also, I have no guarantee that. I mean, speaking of passport, quite literally, of course, I kind of have a guarantee that I cannot really lose it. I don't know, like what conditions I could be expatriated. Ex, ex, Patriated, I think. Expatriated? I think so, yeah. Um, it would have to be like super serious, serious, like yeah. treason, like treason against the state. Of, like if you were to spy oh, for, yeah. for Russia or something or North Korea, then right, they'd yeah. be like, so something actually, really like, yeah, yeah. James Bondy. Something style. like that, yes. So, which is not, yeah. So, Are you sure? <laughs> you would tell us if you were a spy, right? Exactly, yeah. That would make total sense. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, but like seriously, uh, it still doesn't. It's like the fear of losing whatever mm. was newly acquired, mm. like the fear of like coming off mm. as too much, or mm. you know, the anxiety, the social mm. anxiety, mm. the actual fear, mm. the imposter syndrome, like mm. all the bullshit that comes with it. Mm. Um, I don't think you ever lose that. No, you never lose that. Yeah. But I also have no control over how others perceive me. And, and, and then I mm. will circle back to the community <laughs> that you were questioning before. Because this is a big, big, big question for Berlin. Is there a community in Berlin? Like how to even build a community where everybody is like out at each other's guts? Listen, <laughs> listen. There is no community in Berlin. There are cliques, there are groups, but there is no community in Berlin. Me, personally, because of my own lived experience of being an outcast, I don't do well in groups anyway, as having groups of friends. I have like one friend here, one friend there, and God ass forbid I ever try to mix them. I'm like, oh, I'm anxious now. <laughs> but in terms of having groups of friends, but there is no community because I think first and foremost, people are not understanding the word community. And that is, I think, a cultural problem as much as it is um, a personal problem. So if you come from a culture, for example, uh, a Northern European culture, <laughs> communite is not a begriff. Is, is not a begriff, <laughs> you know? But if you come from Global South, cultures outside of the Global North, you understand that, you know, Things are done in commune, in communal, in villages, together. And it's how people have survived. When you are from a culture, a country where, oh, everyone has a house with a toilet in it and a sink and electricity and each one has 2.5 kids and f sure. But period. Period. Then, of course, you don't have to worry about communite. Period. This is so unsettling because like oftentimes, and I won't, like, I, I, I'm really not, like, I will try to not overgeneralize because I do not perceive things as like either or, you know? No, like, that's very binary, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also because I try to be obviously very self-critical and, you know, of my newly acquired powers, <laughs> let's say, let's, let's not call them privileges, let's yeah, call them oh, powers. I mean, privilege confers power. You can... Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, um, 
we were also just mentioning it earlier how how difficult it is in Berlin specifically. And I think this is a cultural problem specifically of Berlin because it's been like it's one of the most ethnically cleansed societies that I even know exist. Like it, it's it's actually scary how white it is here. Mm. And and actually I know also in my 14 years of Berlin now, Whew. I have seen a lot of POC move in. And out of the city, mm. do you know? Within mm. few years, mm. because it's really fucking hard. And then on the other hand, we have the Germany born and raised mm. POC, the, the so-called the second generation migrants. Yeah. yeah, and obviously they have done very important work for us to even be able to navigate the space to begin with. Mm. However, there is often a misconception of our lived experiences. Experiences, yeah, and absolutely. Very often, these are people who will naturally have more access yeah. in this country and more privilege and more power Absolutely. and than us, like the first generation migrants, so to speak. Mm. But they will perceive us as like a family and then have sort of like the same expectations and fragility that I that I perceive sometimes even in white queers. Like not trying to like oh. put people on the same, you know? I There is absolutely very much... Um, let's let's just call it a nationalistic fragility uh, that exists w within people who are born and socialized and raised within Germany, whether they be of mixed heritage, whether they be POC of whatever, whether they be white. There is a fragility that exists from a nationalistic European sensibility. And once you start kind of poking at that, scratching at that, people will become triggered because they're like not necessarily ready to have those conversations because for a long time, of course, if they experience whatever <clears throat> discrimination within a German context, they're like, oh, you know, Germany, German nationalism is We're not my, German. We're not German. Germany is my enemy, except that that exists, it exists within you as well because you're socialized here. You can't, and so once you start trying to dig at that, people get really, uh... And it's funny because, like, yeah. I have been here for 14 years and, like, I will have issues, for example, communicating with my Brazilian mother, you know, like, mm. who never left Brazil. Mm. So, you know, like, there is also the time zone change difference, mm. but there is my partially German socialization. socialization and I can yeah. totally, you know, I'm the first to even name that i'm like yeah. mom sorry i'm in germany you yeah, know like yeah. i function by the clock you know yeah. like the things are like in my calendar so yeah, yeah. if you want to ever speak to your daughter you know like and then, <laughs> you have like, to send me a gcal invitation mom exactly. no like you know like just be fucking consistent yeah, but yeah. um and i will realize like I'll, i am ready for this conversation but i feel like people who were as you said like born here yeah uh, but were always perceived as the other. Other, yes. Which is also true of for their experience. Multiple then things they can are, be true at the same time. I of feel course. like they 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 wanna like immediately attach then to our experience mm. without giving space to that and other conversations. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is totally one right. of the big problems why like there's no community here. There's no community and very little meaningful accountability, self-accountability. So back to the accountability topic, because in forming community, you have to make yourself, you have to bear yourself 
the good, the bad, the ugly. You have to make yourself vulnerable and you have to be real, show your real face. But for a lot of people, that means showing their German face, which is... <laughs> you know, who, who really wants to show their German face when, you know, we're out in the streets protesting. As far as I understand, there was a BLM march today. Uh, I didn't participate. Don't need to. Um, you know, but when you... <laughs> you know, but... If you want to build community, it is built on transparency. It is built on truth. It is built on honesty. And that means also showing your, your, your ugly side. And the ugly side, confronting that ugly side is never nice. No one wants to be seen as the bad guy. No one wants to be seen as a person who, is, who has the potential to oppress Yeah. And this is a problem because we are like, actually, I was just like on a disastrous date the other day. Oh, girl. And yeah, with this guy. Oh, um, girl, the curse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least, whatever. So at some point he was like, oh, so would you prefer? I mean, he was really not so smart. So he was like, um, I was already annoyed by then, by the way. And I looked really annoyed, but still he kept going. And then then. He would like, you know, make these trick questions out of the blue. Like, like you know, when people don't have what to talk about, they will just like, you know. Give me an example, please. I will. Oh. So would you rather date somebody, be to get in a relationship with, with somebody who is toxic or a hypocrite? What kind of a question is that? Most a toxic, stupid ass question. It's a stupid question because most toxic I'm, people are hypocrites anyway. <laughs> First and foremost. So. And also, What? my I was actually gonna go to the point that I believe that everybody is can, is potentially toxic in a certain yeah. environment, in a certain yeah. like yeah. dynamic, yeah. in a certain constellation. Yeah. And I wish, I really wish more people would see that because then you know, like I was in a relationship recently and. It was also my first relationship. And I mean, I'm a trans woman. I'm over 30, you know, like, yeah. And you met him, yeah. So, like, it was my first relationship. There was a lot to unpack. The person was younger than me. It was also a migrant, etc., etc. Like, there was a lot of trauma in both of us. And eventually, like, I was, I kept being triggered to the point of, like, becoming extremely toxic. Obviously, the, like, it was mutual. But, like, it became clear to me, that, like, oh, my fucking God, I can be really toxic if mm. i'm like triggered if mm. my needs are not being met yeah. if somebody is like depending being codependent with me etc mm. um and there was an important moment you know like i went to therapy mm. i was like hey i need to look into that mm. and i think that's such a super ugh i love that you're talking about this i love that you're talking about this um, so I'm currently reading in true Mercury and Gemini uh, fashion. I'm reading about eight books at the same time. <laughs> I finish none of them, but I read them all sim simultaneously. And um, one of the books that I'm currently reading is uh, by Mariama Kaba, and it's called We Do This Till We Free Us. And it is a book about abolition. She is a black woman, a dark-skinned black woman. She's based in the U.S. Her parents are West African. And it's, a, it's an abolitionist book. And, you know, it deals about prison abolition, uh, deals with prison abolition, um, but it also deals with the topic of accountability. And the thing about accountability is that 
people need to fucking realize that we are all capable regardless of our positionality, regardless of our intersectionality, we are all capable of causing harm to other people. We may not be able to oppress other people based on structural things, but we are all potentially able to cause harm. And the fact is that, you know, I, with my ex, I don't think he likes me anymore, um, but that's a different story. You know, one of the first things that I told my ex um, when we first started dating was, listen, I know that you're seeing all of this and I'm wonderful, great. I can, however, be an asshole. I can be an asshole. I was raised by a sociopath. So it is deeply ingrained within me to be super fucking mean when I'm triggered, when I'm upset, when my needs are not being met. And at some point in the relationship, I was an asshole. And during the conversation where I said, listen, I did a thing. It was a really shitty thing, admittedly, really, 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 really shitty thing. And I said, listen, I did a shitty thing and I'm sorry. And I allowed him to emote, gave him the space. Except at one point he said to me, I can't believe you did this thing. I don't even recognize who you are. And I said, wait, I got to stop you right fucking there. Because I told you at the beginning, I set the scene. I'm all these wonderful things. Yes, I'm a yoga teacher. Yes, I can be super cute and loving. Wonderful, wonderful. Except that I can absolutely be a motherfucking asshole. Which means I can and will hurt your feelings. Period. (laughs) It doesn't give you a free pass, but that's not what you're talking about. Exactly. It doesn't give me a free pass, but people need to acknowledge that regardless. And me, my intersectionalities. Hey, let's talk. If you want to talk intersectionality, I got your I got your list. I got your laundry list of intersectionalities. That does not mean I cannot harm other people. Yeah. Yeah. And people seem to not be ready to have those conversations to face to turn that mirror to set to see their ugly faces yeah yeah people should listen to us more like cis people should only be consuming trans content honestly absolutely and paying trans folks for the consumption please don't try to ride us for free hello hello shout out to willis museum shout out to willis museum (laughs) don't consume us for free and then try to write your academic papers about us please and thank you period oh i do i would like to um kind of like go navigate towards the end on a higher note sure because I feel like both of us, we're two magical beings who definitely vibrate, you know, Mm. highness and just like superior vibration patterns. Do you know what I mean? In our very own ways, you know, with our very differences. However, I do believe that we are two people who manage to experience a lot of shit and still like also be very cynical towards community etc not maybe realistic realistic <laughs> let's call it realistic exactly let's call it realistic because like, i'm sure we've negative... both been burnt under yeah. the term under the umbrella of community under the guise yes, of community. exactly very yes. much so and still live in a like as if the world were the way we wish it were yes i live in hope i live in hope i live in a hopeful and place where is it rooted uh my hope is rooted in the fact that i i mean black trans liberation is at the heart of everything i do anyway so 
And that supersedes even my feelings for people. Even if I don't like you, bitch, I'm going to still try to fucking liberate you. You know, because I sincerely doubt, for example, that Harriet Tubman liked every single fucking Negro that she liberated on the Underground Railroad, but she did it for the greater good, for the liberation of us all. And so, you know, keeping, you know, sometimes when I'm like, oh man, what should I do? What would Harriet do? What would Asata do? You know, and I know that they would put their feelings aside and be like, no, actually, there is a greater cause here that my energies need to be put towards. And that means, okay, I don't have to be petty. You know, if I know I can help, I will help. Um, and so for me, that's just rooted in, it's rooted in community. It's rooted in the fact that the village, you know, cannot survive without us being interdependent, you know? So even if you want to block me, unfollow me, talk shit about me, cool. But what does it mean to disconnect, unfollow, when we are all intrinsically connected anyway, especially from a black, brown, TGNC perspective, you know, sure, you can unfollow me, you can mute me, but the spirit don't know that, you know, so uh, I work just, and I really try to lean into forgiveness. Listen, I have a sun in Taurus and a Jupiter in Scorpio. I love me some vengeance. Vengeance. Woo! And so it is literal work for me to not <laughs> like <laughs> when I am harmed, when I am like, it is work for me to not lean into that because when I am in vengeance mode I can assure you as much as I am able to move mountains I can burn fucking cities period but you can ask some of my former employers about that um <laughs> I burn bridges too uh so and so trying to you know move away from vengeance and live in a space of forgiveness live in a space where hope and a vision of the future where we are fucking free, we are free from these constraints. That's how I align my actions with my fucking visions. That's what's up. Aligning, because I want to live in that future, which means I have to act and live as though that future can exist. That's some life philosophy right here. <laughs> like, preach. Like, I can't, I can't. I have no words. I just want to ask you. Yes, baby. What is going to happen in your very exciting, busy agenda from early August on? Like, what can we, like, look forward to? Oh, my goodness. I mean, so right now I'm working on a super exciting project. Um, uh, working on the script development, dramaturgy, somatics of a video film art project that involves VR. Um, I'm going to be, oh my goodness, speaking at, uh, giving workshops at the Envision Festival. I think that's happening in uh, October. I'm also going to be at Stretch Festival, which is also happening in October. Um, doing a lot of work around the decolonial space, anti-racism, critical whiteness space. Um, what else? Um, collecting, well, I mean, to be fair, four rules for hot trans summer. One, I'll stay with God. She protects me. Two, 
I stay on my grind. Three, I stay hydrated. And four, I mind my fucking business. I care for the people that care for me. So um, I'm super open. Ooh, and I met, a, I met a producer for Arte the other day, and she was like, please call me. So watch this space. Okay, so everybody <laughs> should be very much tuned with Daddy Puss Rex. It's true. Stay tuned. Because we have some really hot news coming up soon. Absolutely. I mean, the the projects, they be coming. Daddy, thank you so, so, so much for blessing us today with your wise, beautiful, energetic words. Can I just say thank you so much? Because I am genuinely, genuinely a huge fan of you artistically, professionally, and as a fucking person. So I am genuinely honored and so grateful that you invited me to be here just in your presence. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know it comes from the heart. Thank you very much. I'm really, really flattered that you <laughs> see me that way. So thanks, everybody. <laughs> Don't forget to tune in next month for the tea talk again. And I can't promise which language it will be in. Ooh, exciting. Bye, Bye everybody. The Tea Talk. A podcast by Schwulus Museum Berlin. Hosted by Sunny Est. <laughs>